more than anything, I just thought we would just kind of, you know, kind of freely riff because, I mean, I think, honestly, even if we had things thoroughly structured at this point, um, a bit of it kind of goes out the window given uh, current events, which we we have no choice but to uh, but to acknowledge and. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I still haven't really processed um, what what that means for us and for this and 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 what we're doing because it's uh, again it, it's it, it's a weird time, but it it seems uh, weirdly appropriate also, you know, to to kind of like get into uh, some of this material because. Um, I, I don't know. It just it, it just it just kind of strikes me as weirdly important. What uh, what do you guys think? Well, you have race riots and stuff like that at the moment, but you also have people running around in masks. Yes. So yes. If that's not Watchmen, I don't know what it is. You have <laughs> you have a uh, you have a president that was a personality. Uh huh. You know, is a personality. Um, yeah. I mean, it's there's all levels. I mean, my. Uh, so yeah, I totally agree with you, Mike. And uh, I, I'm yeah, I've been wondering like how this is gonna. I'm excited how this. Oh, how, yeah. how this is going. How this uh, conversation will evolve. Um, I do want to try to. Uh, for me, my uh, my strength in the Watchmen series is is really the television series. Mm-hmm. I I know the I know the movie, and then I have not read the um, the original. Uh, oh, comic book okay. series, but I've certainly done my fair share of uh, of wicking it in the past to understand <laughs> the movie more. Yeah, um, and um, so I understand it. And I actually I also reread a lot of the wiki from the 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 comic book to understand the series. Uh, some you know references in the series itself, mm-hmm. the television mm-hmm. series itself, because um, I was What's really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was, and I was just really well. We I, basically, I'm just really impressed, and and um, it's very interesting how the television series uh, took from took from the uh, comic book, and um, really made it its own thing, but with with total respect for the uh, series for the for the comic book itself. So, yeah. yeah um, but that's where I'm coming from. If if uh, if you try to ask me much about the comic book, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall pretty hard. Uh, but, um, but I do know, you know, I, I'll, I only really know the comic book yeah. through the, through the movie really. And I know that that's, there's, that's omitting quite a bit. Um, yeah, so but anyway. that's, that, that's what Greg's here for because that's, that's yeah. his shit, man. <laughs> so that's going to be good. Yeah. So I, I think, oh. I, I think, I think this will actually be pretty, uh, pretty well rounded. Um, so I, I think my role is kind of like the, the, the everyman audience, uh, audience yeah. avatar type of, type hey. of person. So I think. Welcome, welcome to my world, Mike. <laughs> right on. <laughs> this is a stick up! Who are you? Who am I? If I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be wearing a mask. There are people who believe that this world is fair and good. It's all lollipops and rainbows. We don't do lollipops and rainbows. We know those are pretty colors that just hide what the world really is. Black and white. Soon thou shalt save us. And we will whisper. Come. 
we convinced ourselves that they were gone. But they were just hibernating. They came for everybody. Home, please. Coordinated simultaneous attacks at the homes of Tulsa PD. So the cops hide their faces, and now the bad guys don't know where they live. And who doesn't want a secret identity? People who wear masks are dangerous. We should be scared of them. Why? Because they're hiding something. Lori Blake, FBI. You know how you can tell the difference between a masked cop and a vigilante? No. Me neither. There's a vast and insidious conspiracy. I play. I would torture about it. My head would explode. Who are you? Maybe, uh, I'm Dr. Manhattan. He lives on fucking Mars. You curse too much. Oh, shit! Welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio, powered by Poddex. I am your host, and who podcasts the podcasters? Well, they're going to be the same folks that watch The Watchmen. We uh, uh, this is uh, this is going to be a a weirdly poignant and ambitious episode, uh, as we'll uh, get into in just a minute. But basically, this is this is kind of like a long gestating project um, where we're going to talk about the Watchmen franchise, uh, focusing on uh, the HBO uh, TV series, as well as getting into uh, the comic books and even some of the other um, ancillary uh, Watchmen tie-in comics uh, from DC, uh, specifically Doomsday Clock. And I'll uh, I, I got own this on Front Street of the. Th- three of us i am the i i guess least fluent in this material so basically what what i'm going to do is introduce my guests and we're going to uh kind of talk about some of the the culturally relevant uh things that are kind of uh going on in the world um and how that ties into um in, in a very oddly um a weird serendipity to it. Um, but um, I, I'm already rambling and doing pre- too much preamble. I keep telling you, uh, the listener out there, that I'm going to do shorter intros, and and here we are. Uh, but um, uh, first up, uh, from the Unfunny Nerd Tangent, the host of the Unfunny Nerd Tangent, your Captain Boomerang and co-creator and co-writer of Transformers Reanimated, uh, give it up for Greg. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey everyone! Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, this should be a lot of fun, I think. Um, yeah, if if there's ever a topic that we can go on tangents with, it's uh, it's Watchmen. So yeah, I'm I'm on board. 
Exactly. Well, and and I kind of um, uh, kind of skipped over this in my lengthy, lengthy intro. This episode is kind of a a sequel of sorts, or at the very least, a companion piece to episode ninety one of Unfunny Nerd Tangent, uh, your uh, uh, Watchmen show specifically focusing on the HBO show. And really, uh, let's uh, let's bring in the uh, the bell of the ball, the reason for the season, um, for all the way over from the Autopod Decepticast. Some might even say the best part, their favorite part of the Autopod Decepticast. Uh, give it up for Caleb. How, uh, thanks for joining us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great now. I'm like, you can you can talk about me all evening long if you want. I don't care. You don't have to cut anything short. Just flattery will get you everywhere with me. So thank you very much. Um, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm glad to be on board uh, with this conversation. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Uh, Aaron and Ryan, not really Watchmen guys. So it's, it's good to sit and rap and really uh, unravel this. But uh, but the reason, uh, Caleb, the reason why I set you up the the way that I did is inadvertently, this was kind of your idea in that I, I forget which chat or tweet thread or whatever it was. It was something to the effect of, oh, man, I'm I'm really kind of bummed that I missed out on uh, Unfunny Nerd Tangent talking about Watchmen because I got a lot of stuff to unpack um, and. I, I just kind of got the thought of, well, shoot, why don't we just expand on it more here? Um, and then getting Greg in the conversation, he he was like, and again, I apologize if I'm putting words in y'all's mouth, but uh, it's like, you know, you, you could talk about the comics as much as the day is long and and didn't necessarily feel that the the comics kind of got their their um, their due um, in that episode, specifically fo- focusing on the HBO show. So um, anyway, I just I, I just thought that, um, you know, it would be cool to get the three of us together and then through various uh circumstances with uh with scheduling and and other circumstances i i think we were originally going to do this episode like i don't know maybe back in uh march or maybe even february um but then uh with the launch of hbo max which now Watchmen is uh, is a part of, as well as uh, it being released on Blu-ray uh, and home video, you know, separated from a HBO subscription. Um, the the timing seemed uh, very appropriate to revisit the material, um, you know, for folks that that. Um, you know, it's interesting when you do topic-based pop culture uh, podcasts, like, you know, you review a movie like as soon as it comes out. But I, I also kind of believe that you can go back and get kind of extra bites at the apple, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I think I think this podcast might uh, hit folks at just the right time when they're getting ready to um, I, either visit Watchmen for the first time or perhaps revisit it Um I I just uh, felt that the um, uh, the timing just ended up being right. Yeah, I think originally we were going to do it around March, but then yeah, you know, life gets in the way and things happen, and and uh, yeah, like you said, HBO Max has has sort of uh, brought out the the TV show to a lot of people now that may have missed it uh, when it first came out, and of course, like the comic is still. Uh, or the trade paperback, I should say, uh, with the collected 
um, uh, groupings of of the twelve issues. Like that's still mm-hmm. one of the top sellers of comics today. So, um, so yeah, I think Watchmen is, and with everything going on, you can kind of see a lot of a lot of parallels and things like that at the moment Ooh. with uh, yeah. the TV series and the uh, and and the comic, the original comic. So uh, it's 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 still relevant today. I think. Oh yeah, uh, the the timing. I mean. You know, you guys, I shared this with you earlier this week when I was doing research, but uh, the timing is is actually um, very, um, there's a lot of coincidence. Uh, like, we're, the, we're recording, uh, you know, this uh, evening on the 31st here, mm-hmm. I know, in, in Australia. It's Monday already, but, um, but this is the 99th, <laughs> this evening is the 99th anniversary of uh, the, Tul- the Tulsa Race Massacre, which is kind of the, uh, it's the starting point for the Watchmen uh, series on HBO. Um, not to mention that there is currently over here uh, in the United States um, uh, some uh, p- police brutality and race rights going on right now. So it's, uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, a very good topic uh, and uh, um subject to revisit um and uh couldn't have been uh couldn't have been better timing in 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 a sense as far as urgency or poignancy uh related to what's going on in the real world yeah and it's it it, it kind of really puts things into a sharp focus perspective because um you know the the thing i lose track of very easily is you know we're we're all three white dudes <laughs> and, you know, and and kind of understanding uh, uh, prejudices and institutional uh, racism and a lot of concepts that are, you know, like um, for, for me, at least I'm I'm a suburban kid. You know, I I'm I'm a suburban middle class white guy. So um, there have been times personally when i see the the finger leveled at you know institutional racism and i bristle at it and i bristle at it because it's like well i'm not racist so you know dot 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 and i i think because of my experience and the folks that i surround myself with I, I don't see it, and I think sometimes that tricks me into thinking that it doesn't exist just because I can't see it uh, directly in front of me. So uh, uh, from that, I, um, I, I live here in Seattle, and we were actually talking uh, quite a bit on our group chat last night. Um, and, you know, just kind of like a quick check of like, you know, Hey, how's everybody doing? And I shared with you guys, I'm like, Seattle's on fire. Um, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the protests had given way to riots, uh, tons of property damage and, um, you know, curfews in place uh, of which there's still a curfew tonight, uh, here in downtown Seattle, uh, where, where I'm recording and I, um, you know, spent a few hours watching on TV last night. Um, and really I didn't, 
I, I, my, my compassion went almost immediately to my uh, friends that are reporters and photographers and journalists and all those folks out in the field because, like, you know, watching on TV, it would get pretty intense like uh you know like uh, one of the one of our cameras almost got uh um almost got wrecked um there was uh you know uh, pepper sprays tear gas things like that so i um that's kind of where i went i was i was i was legit uh scared for uh scared for my friends and then just being kind of gobstruck at the the amount of destruction to the point where I think I almost missed the point of the of the uh, peaceful protest uh, side of things. And then uh, driving into work uh, this morning, um, you know, so since there was a curfew, there's nobody out on the streets. But it um, it was alarming to me to drive down Fourth Avenue in the the retail core of downtown Seattle and um it was easier to see windows that weren't broken. Um, and I, I just, I, I'd never seen anything like it before. It was, uh, between the graffiti, the broken windows and the amount of garbage and litter and merchandise scattered through the streets. It's, I mean, again, like, you know, mannequin arms and, and just parts just strewn across the sidewalk. It was, it was really, um, it was really unnerving. And now Seattle is a protest city. In fact, uh, it could be said that it's a protest destination city in that, you know, um, you know, people come here for May Day, you know, specifically to uh, uh, to protest. So there's there's been, you know, uh, May Day, Black Lives Matter uh, parades. Um, to say nothing about the WTO riots, uh, back in 1999. And, and again, even, even being, um, seeing it then, um, I, I've never seen anything like this before. It looked like, it looked like a post-apocalypse, uh, basically, you know, almost kind of like a deserted walking dead type of thing. It was, um, it, it was really very eerie, um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's, it, it's having that level of unsettlement um just um even even going through today just kind of just kind of puts me on weird footing even as we're covering this material here and and I apologize guys I didn't uh I I didn't realize I had all this stuff on my mind until it just kind of until I just kind of started talking about it but um but yeah it's just um yeah on on today of days when we're recording I I feel like I have a different perspective than perhaps I I would have back in uh February or March Absolutely I don't think there's a this, I don't think there's a better time to talk about this subject matter than right in the moment. Um, when I say better, I mean like probably uh, relevant, appropriate, be better talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's. Um, I mean, not to get too sort of heavy and and that sort of stuff, but yeah, I think you know about like a comic book, but but I mean that's why Watchmen is so good in my opinion because it's. It, on one hand, it is just a comic book story and it is just a movie and now it's a show and all this kind of stuff. But if you want to dive deeper, you can. And if you want to look for hidden meaning and, and serious themes, like you, you can. And you, so 
if people just want to um, experience it just for a uh, like the escapism of it, like people do with comic books, because they want like the fantasy side of things of, and, and the fiction and that sort of stuff. Um, but if people are more into um, allegory and 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 you know looking into the things might mean uh, um, a little more than they first appear and that kind of stuff. Like I think Watchmen is 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 sort of the perfect uh, um, fit for them as well. Can we? Would this be a good time to to Greg? Are you able to dig into Alan Moore about you know a little bit? Do you know much about him and his the trajectory that led him to develop this this concept and this uh, story? Well, I know Alan Moore, he, I mean, as good as a writer as he is, he is a very strange person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a polite yeah, way yeah, of putting yeah, it. Sure. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem like, it's not like that kind of Tim Burton, Marilyn Manson kind of like, oh, look how weird I am, like that sort of thing. It's just like, no, he just seems like a genuinely sort of weird yeah. English guy. But yeah. uh, his political leanings and his sort of, um, I hate using the term like social justice because that's become like a bit of a, a slur in a way now nowadays, like, oh, the, the social justice warriors and this kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. his sense of kind of social justice and, and what he thinks is right, or or more, uh, more not how can I put it? Maybe more so pointing out things that he thinks are wrong or inherently kind of ingrained in culture that shouldn't be. They definitely seep into his writing, whether it's Watchmen or. Um, you know, League of um, Extraordinary Gentlemen or uh, his run on Swamp Thing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, it, Watchmen, in a sense, came about because DC acquired all the Charlton Comics characters, like The Question and... and um, Captain Adam. Uh, Captain Adam and, and, uh, and these guys. And, uh, and so they decided, well, let's do something with them. So they gave it to Alan Moore and he kind of created this story. But of course, as, as we know, not everyone survives the Watchmen story. So they were like, well, you can't kill off these characters and the ones that survive, like we don't know if they're really likable anymore and they're a bit weird, <laughs> like what's going on? So he was like, all right, let me re rework it. So that's why you have characters like Rorschach, who is kind of your stand in for, uh, stand in for um question um you have dan who everyone thinks like oh dan's the batman character it's like no dan's blue beetle um you know it's just that it, he kind of looks a bit like batman but he he's more your blue beetle character and then like we said um captain adam with uh dr manhattan and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff so he had a lot more freedom then to kind of do what he wanted and then i think then it almost took on a life of its own and it became sort of a, almost a very different thing from what it was originally going to be. But um, then, like, more has kind of been stuffed around a lot by DC and Marvel uh, over the years and, and particularly around that time in the 80s and things like that. And so now he sort of has nothing to do with either of them and he refuses to have his name put on any of the movies that are made from his, uh, his comics or his stories. So like, and not just Watchmen, but like, 
um, from hell and, and, and these other kinds of, um, uh, movies that are made from his, you know, V for Vendetta, which is another one that's kind of <laughs> strangely, uh, topical at the moment, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> Absolutely. um, because his, his line of thinking is no, this was created to be a comic book and to show what the comic book medium can do. It was never designed to be a movie or a TV show and things like that. And I think, when people level criticisms at the movie uh, and, and, and at the TV show, I mean, the TV show less, I don't think uh, less so because I don't think the criticisms hold up the, the same way that they do against the movie because the movie is an adaptation of the comic, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. the, the show is a continuation. So you can't really say like, oh, they did that better in the comic or you know they i don't like how they changed the ending of it or 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 whatever the gripes are because the show is its own thing um it was never adapted from a previous story it's a sequel in a way to it um but yeah moore seems very adamant that watchman is the comic that he wrote um and had you know with with dave gibbons on art and 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 story input and things like that but but yeah i mean we'll get into it, but I have no real problem with the movie and, and I thought the show was good, but, um, but yeah, but Alan Moore is, he's one of those kind of brilliant guys, but maybe not the most fun person to be around. Right. Yeah. I don't know how he'd be at parties. <laughs> yeah. he, he'd, he'd probably be the type of bloke that would make people uncomfortable and it oh, would, yeah and and you would feel uncomfortable from the perspective of like when his weirdness and eccentricities uh kind of start making sense um because like the the thing uh while while we're chatting about the comics uh Greg I and and Caleb as well I I guess something for us to discuss is Alan Moore specifically wrong for his perspective on wanting um you know wanting to distance himself because a lot my understanding is a lot of his gripe has to do with proper creator credits and i know marvel specifically like the marvel uk stuff in reprints you know really kind of screwed him over in terms of uh, uh royalties and and um just just overall treatment of his material um and and it's fairly well known that watchman was since he had repurposed it into a unique story that it was really meant to kind of be a standalone thing like there were you know several sequel ideas i mean even going back to like the late 80s where they were going to do like you know like rorschach's journal as a as like a thing and you know with uh with alan moore being so staunchly opposed to it on one hand, he comes across as a, you know, kind of old man yells at cloud. But on the other hand, when when you think about it and look into it a little bit, dude's kind of got a little little bit of a point. So I thought we'd just kind of jump off uh, there for a sec. Uh, um, what do you think about that? I think, like, it, yeah, he definitely has a point because some not everything has to have a sequel. Not everything has to be... Like, and then what happened? That's like, sometimes you can just have a story and then go, okay, that's it. And even stories that are kind of open-ended and things like that. Like, I 
I think that sometimes that's good because then if you never get a definitive like sequel or a definitive here you go, this is actually what happened, then your brain kind of takes you there and you're probably going to be happy with with that because that's what's in your head. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, like look at the flack that Star Wars has gotten Mm -hmm. ever since The Phantom Menace really mm-hmm. yeah because people always had it in their in their minds oh i think this is how Va- how vader became vader or and then now with the sequel trilogies as well like oh well what what, what happened after return of the jedi well this is what i think luke skywalker would have done and this is what i think would han solo would have done you know and then of course then you're presented with the canon version of like no this is what happened and if you don't like it then that can that can kind of lessen, like like Return of the Jedi is not the happy ending that it used to be. You know what I mean? Right. Because you then know, oh yeah, but then yeah, this happens and that happens and ultimately, uh, you know. So and that's fine, like because the original movies are still there. So if you only like the original three Star Wars movies, that's all. They're the only ones you have to watch. You don't have to watch the others. Um, but I feel the same with Watchmen. But I mean, I think the the best comparison I can think of to why Alan Moore might be correct is like Back to the Future, mm. because yes, it got two sequels, but it became like its own thing and its own trilogy. And you're always hearing stuff now of like they should make a fourth one or they should oh, remake God. it. And then the outcry against that is so huge because people are like, just leave it alone. Yeah, it was three movies like it's one amazing movie it's a pretty good sequel and the third one eh, it's all right mm. but it's it adds to it and it, and it yeah. you know finishes it off and rounds it out and gives us a definitive ending and kind of wraps everything up so but just leave it alone mm-hmm. you know right. like if you're going to do like to me if you're gonna touch back to the future then reboot it because then it's its own thing you want to remake it? That's fine because movies will be remade over and over again. But you don't have to have like, let's get Christopher Lloyd back and let's get, you know, Michael J. Fox and whoever else and let's see where their lives went after part three. It's like no, just leave it. So like I understand that from from if if that's Alan Moore's kind of um, reasoning because he can just be like, no, Watchmen is this twelve part comic book story and. And, but it's not just that because it has all the um, supplemental materials that are in the comic as well. Um, like, you know, um, sort of fictionalized uh, excerpts of, of characters, novels and, yeah. and and newspaper clippings and, and classified reports and all this <laughs> kind of stuff that's meant to be from the world, which helps fill it out. And that's why it does seem so dense, you know, in like Tales from the Black Freighter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's plenty there. I mean, if yeah. I don't, I don't sort of ever remember ever feeling like, oh, I really want to know what happens after, like the frontiersmen like get Rorschach's journal at the end. Like what? Then what happened? It's like it doesn't matter what happened because that's that's right. more of sort of the thing. Having said that, and I was so staunchly against the show. When it was announced, probably because of that reason, but more so because of Damon Lindelof's involvement. Absolutely. Um, because I assumed that, 
you would get to the like if if Damon Lindelof had written the original Watchmen, my joke was always like you'd get to the end and then like Ozzy Mandius would be like, so what do you think happened? And then like credits. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's like well, so I didn't want him anywhere near it, but. I, I, you know, and I said this on on my podcast. Like I, I 100% admit it. On this occasion, I was wrong, and I'm more than happy with what they did with the show. Um, but it is also a case now of them saying, like, no, that's it. We're not going to do season two. That's it. It's nine episodes. It's done. Leave it alone. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't more. see the point of dragging it out. Totally. When I. I'm rereading Dune in preparation for the movie that's coming out. The you know there's a reboot coming out mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the year, and I'm excited by it cautiously. Um, I love David Lynch. I think that he he didn't do a good job on the on the movie back in the early '80s for a host of reasons that aren't all necessarily his fault. Mm-hmm. I think it was a big beast. We'll see how this one works out. But anyway. I read all the, I mean, I read Dune and I read all the, you know, I read Children of Dune, Chapter House, God Emperor. And it, I thought it would be satisfying uh, that when I first read it, I was like, I want to know all the answers to this universe. I want to know how everything happens. And as you go through that series, it loses, it loses, it loses substance. It just turns, it just becomes kind of facts, loses its substance. And I think that when you try to beat a dead horse um, for whether it's for profit or because people are demanding to know more, mm-hmm. I think the I think that the the original con the, the, the original value that 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 of that first you know work in that series uh, goes away, and I think that when I'm in a universe, when I get when I get into a universe in a, in a movie or a book, um, that I that that I I I I feel the vastness of it. Mm-hmm. but uh, the impression of it, but I don't know the answers. That seems to be my sweet spot where I'm the most fascinated by what's going on when I'm reading through it. Like I love it. And I'm a victim. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of, of wanting more. Uh, and then, but when I get it, I'm like, I, it, I, it doesn't give me that satisfaction that I want it to give me. So yeah, I, um, I'm really happy that Watchmen as a series, he it hasn't he hasn't Alan Moore's defended tried to prevent it from getting exploited to a degree. Mm-hmm. And I really think that the television series did a good job of interpreting interpreting, building on some of that material and then consciously deciding to leave it the hell alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my just before we like get off this topic of like sequels and things like that, like uh, you know, like I always think that the Matrix is one that I always go to. Like, just because you have an an open ended kind of um, uh, like ending that could be taken multiple ways, or perhaps sets up a sequel, or perhaps up further uh, sets up further plot lines, doesn't mean that you have to absolutely go there. Like, obviously, Hollywood is all about money and things like that. So, of course, they were going to do a sequel to The Matrix and that sort of thing. And that's fine. Like, that, you know, some people might like Matrix 2 and 3. Like, to me, I'm like, eh, not really. But the ending of The Matrix with Neo kind of being like, hey, I'm going to wake all these people up and I'm going to make them see 
what the real world is and we're going to stop you kind of thing. And then he flies away and you're like, okay. So from that ending yeah. there, you can assume that eventually things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't have to see it, you know, and, and even back to the future, the end, like where, where we're going, we don't need roads, you know, and they fly off into, into the future. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't need a sequel to that either. It's just that they thought, oh, well, let's make one. But originally there was no to be continued on the end of that movie. It was just, that was the end of it. Um, and it was more just like a joke as if like, oh, off they go for more adventures kind of thing. Yeah. And you just, so you didn't have to follow through with it. So, um, and I would argue if the end of uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, if that was all we got, I would absolutely be happy with that too. Because... The ending of that movie is very hopeful and yeah. it does kind of hint that everything will be all right, even though there's danger to come um, with with Frodo and that going into into Mordor and, and Aragorn and stuff are like, well, we're going to go rescue Merry and Pippin. Like, you kind of get the feeling that like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, yeah. So if that was on the only movie or like if that was the entire story, I would still have been happy with it. Right. Well, but th- I mean, my biggest gripe with really quick with those uh, – Lord of the Ring movies is, uh, you know, I, they made the they the movies followed a trilogy just like the book trilogy, but um, I actually went and saw the Hobbit. Just went in and saw the Hobbit. Oh, well, you, you know, poor afterwards. bastard! And yeah, but I didn't do any homework on it, and I didn't realize when I went in that this was not a standalone movie. That it, they were turning it into was it a trilogy? Like I didn't finish it. What did yeah. they make? And it got about two hours in and, and I was like, I was like, God damn, they've got a lot to cover in the next 45 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, no, I'm, and it's, I can't believe I was, I, I just was really surprised, but yeah, that was, that's a great example of just milking it, turning the hobbits, hobbit story into three movies. It just, yes, yeah, that was, that was overkill for sure. Yeah. Well, um, and, and, and we saw a lot of this in other uh, literary adaptations. Like, does that last Harry Potter movie really need to be two movies? Uh, does the, um, I don't remember if that last Hungry Games ended up being two movies, but I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, uh, yeah. Twilight was uh, was two movies at the end. And mm-hmm. so it all gets to uh, pull, in, pull in that taffy and really just kind of really trying sure. to, you know, just try to squeeze every last dollar out of an audience. Uh, but one thing I wanted to submit also before before we uh, uh, moved on uh, back to those movies we were talking about, one thing that that the Back to the Future and Matrix trilogies have in common is uh, that the sequels were both both made back to back years later. Like it wasn't it wasn't like an immediate turnaround. It was turnaround based upon success. And um, another one that I, I would throw in there is them uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, it's like that oh, first yeah. one was wildly <laughs> successful. Then they fast tracked two uninspiring, over bloated sequels. And I was just really thinking about this as we were talking here. Has there been a back to back series that's actually been OK? Because I, for mm. all the examples that we've given, I mean, I like Back to the Future 2 just fine. Um, I like parts of that second Matrix just fine. Uh, but 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 it's all garbage. You know, and it's and mm-hmm. it's and it's it's it, it it feels very corporate and very much a commodity. And I feel 
that's in a way what kind of happened to Watchmen I would submit up until this uh, this TV series. Like, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about like sequel ideas, but I think if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, one of the things that really pissed off Alan Moore in the uh, early 2000s is they were going to do a line of action figures. Um, you know, through uh, through DC Direct and and Alan Moore won no part of it. And I think that was one of his other, you know, more famous, um, you know, table flipping. You know, I'm done with all this. I'm done with mainstream <laughs> comics. And I think that was one of the things that spurred him on to go do a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I if if I remember correctly. Um, but then, yeah, he's like, they'll never make toys out of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but, th- but then DC comics decides to get this idea and they do before Watchmen, you know, it's like, instead of doing a sequel, they decide to do a series of prequels and, um, so, Greg, you had you had mentioned that you know you're you're very familiar with the original Watchmen comic series, and you know we're we're gonna uh, uh, definitely touch on Doomsday Clock as well. But um, did you um, ha- do you have any feelings on before Watchmen? Um, I I was a bit sort of um, apathetic when they announced it. I was like, eh, really, whatever, um, and. It's only I only went back to read some of them uh, after I read Doomsday Clock, so I really had no interest in. I'm not a, a huge fan of prequels anyway, just in general. Um, uh, there's a few exceptions, like I think Better Call Saul, for instance, sure. is is um, the this kind of the prequel uh, done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that is some some of it is a bit sort of. Like, all right, I don't need to see them building the lab. Like, whatever, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but then, then as it goes, you realize why they showed you that, and it is more character development stuff um, right. for characters in the long run. But at the time, it's like, yeah. But uh, in general, I'm like, well, you know, I, we kind of know that, like, th- these people are going to be fine, and and you know where it's going, but. And I don't know. I felt like if, if anything, like the, the before Watchmen is, is primarily going to be, uh, and, and it is really, um, more of your character study mm-hmm. of these characters before they get to Watchmen. But if you're going to dive in and do character studies of characters from Watchmen, like I'm, I'll, I'll just read Watchmen itself really, yeah. you know, like I'm not kind of, uh, I feel that the characters are fl- like everything you need to know about those characters you learn in Watchmen. So I never sort of had any real questions of like, well, well, how did like, how did um, Laurie like start becoming Silk Spectre too? Like it's, mm-hmm. eh. I don't, I didn't really, I don't really care. I, I just know that she did and that's fine. Cause that's not, that's not the story Watchmen was telling. So, um, but then I was kind of, not, not against it because I'm like, eh, if they want to do it, that's fine because you don't have to read it. But I wasn't really uh, too keen on them doing Doomsday Clock either, to be honest. Um, and I only started reading it when issue four came out. I was like, oh, I'll give it a chance. Gotcha. Um, but I was sort of surprised by that actually. So. So. But I still, I still see them as just kind of like 
additional material. Like to me, Watchmen is the one issues one to twelve, and that's kind of it. So same with the show. Like the show is very good, but um, it's just like for for a series that deals with like an alternate reality of 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 what America might be type of thing. That's how I see them. It's like, well, this is there's the before Watchmen universe, there's the Doomsday Clock universe, ah, there's the okay. Watchmen TV show universe, but my like Watchmen Prime or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> there you go. That's the comic story. So Which... you can do whatever you like because that won't change that. So you know, that, See, that's why I'm kind of okay with it. That's a that's a very enlightened attitude that not a lot of fans have. You know, kind of it took like took me a long time to get to it. I'll say because there's other things where I'm like, fuck this. They shouldn't have done that. They're going to ruin it. So, but yeah, that's what happens as you get older, I guess. So you kind of view it more as a a buffet, you know, you just kind of like take what you want and leave what you don't. Yeah. Well, like, it's not like George Lucas where he goes back in and goes like, Hey, guess what? Uh, remember when Han Solo just, uh, Han Solo just fucking murdered that guy because it was to show how cool he was and how like zero fucks he gives. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah, now it's more like a defense of uh, being attacked in the first place. It's like, no, like just no, don't, yeah, don't be fundamentally changes the character of Han Solo and it mm-hmm. ruins his arc in that movie. Like, it's not the fact that Han shot first, it's that Han only shot, like, yes, he shot you know, only. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the that's whole right. point. The whole like, you point. can't really, you can't go back and watch that original version unless you've got like the the old videotape or some old you know like you can't you don't have um a healthy access to that if that's the version you prefer right so star wars is kind of i can see why people are sort of more enraged by that sort of stuff because it's like well can i just have my can i just have the version that i like as opposed to the version that you've sort of forced on me now so quick question quick question um so if they suddenly give us the despecialized edition, like remastered in 4K on like, say, oh, I don't know, Disney Plus or making it like a like a super deluxe Blu-ray pack. Is that kind of like all is forgiven? I mean, I, I don't I don't know uh, if that would satisfy at this point. It's it's weird. For, Star Wars is weird for me because like there are things that I like. There are changes that I like. Like I like the fact that they put uh the the proper emperor in empire mm-hmm. you know with the hologram thing and that that it is Mc, Mc, how do you say it mcdiamond mcdiamond whatever McDermott, yeah um yeah. yeah like i like the fact that they replaced the the weird like the, the old woman with the chimpanzee eyes like i like that they replaced that because you watch it and be like that's not the emperor like it was at the time yeah so like i liked that they changed that i liked that they did um, like the Cloud City stuff, I like that they made that more expansive and it felt like bigger and, and it had more mm-hmm. scope. Um, but yeah, I don't like the thing with Han shooting Greedo. I don't like Vader's no at the end. Um, things like that. So it's tough, like to be 100% happy with the original Star Wars trilogy because he made so many changes. Like the only way people would be 100% happy with it would be if there was some option where you could say, do you want this change? Yes, no, like times 100. You'd have to literally nitpick every little change, <laughs> I think, and choose the ones that you liked. So, um, Hey, um, that actually might be a pretty good idea, Greg. You should, uh, you should claim that right now. Choose your own. <laughs> <laughs> curate yeah. your own Star Wars movie. Yeah, copyright TMTM. TM, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> These are the changes, you know. Yeah. Did Han shoot first or did he just straight up murder Greedo? Yeah. Uh, I'll go with option B, please. See, uh, no, do you I... like Vader, you know, screaming no at the end of Jedi? No, uh, no, no. I don't. I'll have the <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. All the no. Um, click, 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 click. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, I. Do you I... like Ewok song number one or Ewok song number two? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there you just hit skip. <laughs> yeah. it was good oh man but yeah no i i think like you do it as like um oh what was it like like netflix had like an episode of black mirror uh bandersnatch where it was something like where it was like a choose your own adventure type of thing so i could see an interface like that where it's you know you're given um a variety of options and and different outcomes for which version you want to enjoy because yeah i mean just to just to throw a quick capstone on it before we get too bogged down is like yeah a lot of the changes are are pretty okay especially in empire like i i'd say that that empire special edition is actually really solid um so yeah it's it's Oh man, it, it's so hard to be able to uh, pick and choose, but it would be uh, nice to have the choice. So, um, so before we get back to Doomsday Clock, because I, I, I we just kind of like touched on it and scratched the surface. Um, I want to. I want to turn it over to uh, Caleb uh, for a sec because I I feel like we keep flirting with talking about the show and then can kind of like backing away from it. So I thought uh, before uh, too much time gets away from us. um, So what resonates with you specifically um, about Watchmen, the show and why, uh, you know, why, why is it so important? Well, it's a big question. Let's see if I can answer that eloquently. Um, uh, it captures me. It captured me when I watched it because uh, the well, geographically, you know, it, it starts in Tulsa. It starts during the Tulsa Race Massacre. I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, I live uh, about two and a half hours from Tulsa, so I live pretty much in the region uh, where that occurred. And why I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that when I was coming into the show. I was more interested in just, you know, seeing what this was about, uh, the show in general. But I really liked the, seri- uh, the, the, the series because of the, the, char- the, established, the characters that have been established in the comic book and how the series treated them. Uh, uh, they, uh, the spin that they put on them, uh, which was surprising, but also done, I think, very well and very respectfully. Uh, not only that Mr. Moore, and I don't know if he would agree with that at all, but um, done in a way that I think uh, extended the message of Alan Moore's series. And really, uh, that, you know, and that's that message, I, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of that message, but for the series itself, it was really interesting to see things turned on their head. Um, and, you know, uh, how where you had uh, police, well, police officers wearing masks to protect themselves. Um, you had um, um, it just uh, things were kind of turned around in a way. And the whole journey through the series as the universe was shown to you was a, a, a really fun and interesting and compelling ride. Like when when the show opens, 
you're you're in, thrown in the middle of this um, Tulsa race massacre, and just just to uh, diverge on that for a second, uh, the race massacre. Uh, so there was a lot of people that came into Oklahoma in the early 20th century. There was an oil boom there, and there was a lot of money made there. And Tulsa had um, there was a lot of uh, of uh, African Americans that. Uh, moved into that region just like anyone else and established a community and they profited very well from it and they uh their area of tulsa was called black wall street and so but that does not mean that they were any uh more greatly respected uh by their uh white counterparts as a matter of fact uh, they were probably uh, uh seen as they were probably despised for their you know their ability to uh, be successful. And so there was an incident where a, uh, a gentleman named Dick Rowland, he was a shoe shiner, and he uh, was an, um, got into an elevator in a building, and uh, the elevator operator was a 17-year-old girl. And um, uh, I have a, actually have a nearby other building, but they got into an elevator together and um, – she accused him of, you know, trying to cost her, and he was taken into custody. And uh, certain members of the black community came to the courthouse to, um, to, uh, you know, demonstrate and, uh, you know, to get him out. And it, it escalated, and there was violence, and um, one thing led to another, and it, it escalated into a, a huge uh, riot. Um, there was um, over 800 people admitted to hospitals. Um, there was there was blocks and blocks of homes and businesses on fire. The there were airplanes involved. This was 1921, but somehow uh, the state or someone uh, got airplanes, you know, biplanes, and were flying over the city and and dropping bombs and shooting from the planes, dropping incendiary, you know, objects on the buildings to burn them. And what's really odd about this, uh, one well, was a number of things odd, but one particular thing for me is that I was not aware. I'm a, I have a master's degree in history. Right, right. I've taken, uh, I've taken book classes on African American culture, and perhaps I've come across this in the past, but um, I had not really read up on this prior to the show. I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with it. Um, and it is a, it is a incident that was essentially not talked about, um, uh, after it ha happened. And it was to the point where it was all, but all, but, um, you know, it wasn't really erased from history. It just wasn't placed in history and mm. recorded out of fear and out of, um, you know, and out of shame and out of just um, the try to hide that it happened. And so I, you know, I didn't, and this is only two and a half hours away, but I didn't know anything about it. And that's, it, it's, it's, it's enormous, it's an enormous, it was an enormous riot. And uh, it, a lot of uh, the, the black community left that city and um, uh, some remained, but they had to start their lives over. And so, um, so that's what you're, that's what you land on in this show. And, and, and you're like, um, Okay, I'm watching a show about the Watchmen. What the hell's going on here? I'm watching the Tulsa race riot. Mm -hmm. How's that going to connect to the to the story that I'm familiar with? 
And it's really fascinating through the series to see how the television series connects to the, the comic book series, but also uh, builds off of it in a good in a good way. Like it doesn't just fill in. It doesn't really it doesn't fill in. It fills in some blanks, but it does it in a really in a really interesting way that I think is not just expository. Yeah. It, it, it's not just it, it's um, it's building on. It's building on it in a way to push uh, to push a message and a theme across, which has to do with with identity, and how people, uh, you know, wear masks or they put on a front, or they cons- they they use a mask, whether it's a physical mask or whatever, to to protect themselves or to empower themselves, and to um, and or their or to cope with what's going on around them, yeah. and so uh, I was really pleased with it. I think it was a well-rounded series, and um, I hope that they, I hope they don't do anything else with it. They should leave it the hell alone. Yeah, I like that they've just decided to leave it. Just be like, that's it. <laughs> I think, especially, I think I'm, I'm super happy with that mostly because of Lindelof I think I yeah. think you're like at this point right. you should just be doing the George Costanza and be like alright that's it see you later everybody and just <laughs> yeah, run yeah. away like they like the ending or I'm done I'm, I'm not going to mess yeah. with it anymore so Quit while you're ahead but yeah. also the cat also, the, the casting is, I mean, on a lighter note, the casting is really good. I love the casting oh, yeah. decisions. Excellent. The actors mm-hmm. that are in there, I, I, you know, I'm Don Johnson. Okay, here's another thing. Don Johnson was born in Cape Fair, Missouri. That is about 30 miles south of where I live. <laughs> so Don, Don Johnson's a Missouri boy. I, and I like the renaissance that he's made coming back. Um, Regina King is amazing. Oh my gosh! Um, and Tim Tim Blake Nelt, uh, Tim Blake Nelson who plays uh, Spyglass. Mm-hmm. He's from Tul- he's from Tulsa. Looking Glass. Yeah. Looking Glass. Sorry. Um, he's from Tulsa. A really great guy. If you ever catch an interview with him, he is a he was a he was um, he's a studied philosophy. But you, but you know, you hear him talk, and he's definitely got an Oklahoma accent. But he's a very super intelligent, super intelligent person, and he's from Tulsa. So it, it really hit. It was really interesting to see him portray a character that came from that area. And he he knows Tulsa. He knows, and he's a he's a um, he's Jewish. So he grew up Jewish in Tulsa. So he, you know, I think he was the right guy for that part. What else you got, Mike? <laughs> well, um, let's let's see from from there with the, uh, a couple different places I wanted to go. Uh, one, I mean, so so we keep talking about Damon Lindelof, and one of the things. So I I came to uh, the Watchmen TV series way late, and even after I heard tons of positive buzz, I'm like, I don't I don't know about all this because I. Um, never needed a Watchmen sequel and it just you know with Lindelof involved and and with you know kind of it being kind of a a corporate commodity it's just like it feels very disingenuous I I don't this isn't for me but then I heard like enough people talking about that you know it's like okay well this is something I need to um uh get into but one of the things that also kind of weirdly off put me and Caleb, you had talked uh, very extensively about the the history of the of the uh, Tulsa race riots and Black Wall Street, and 
you know, kind of it, it is kind of like the, this weird uh, forgotten piece of history. And apparently the inspiration uh, for using that as the launching point was uh, Lindelof had come across a writing uh, from Ta-Nehisi Coates. And who who is a a polarizing figure, depending upon uh, what your uh, uh, political uh, leanings are. And so I I thought it was kind of weird and and I am feeling mildly uncomfortable as as, even as I as I'm mentioning this. It felt to me that uh, Damon Lindelof was almost doing uh, virtue signaling. Like, oh, I've I've found this work. I'm going to incorporate this into my corporate television show. And it just it just really, really kind of kind of uh, screwed me the wrong direction uh, for a minute. But it really wasn't until I heard uh, Mark Bernardin of uh, uh, Fat Man Beyond fame uh, co-hosting that podcast with Kevin Smith that I was like, oh, Okay, so th- this passes muster. It it's and you know he speaks very highly of it, and it was really his endorsement more than anyone else's that that really kind of inclined me um, to give it a go. But yeah, it's um, I, I'm kind of retreading, um, you know, kind of kind of uh, well tread ground because you know uh, Greg at the at the top, you had already said that you know <laughs> it was it, it's it's one of those things where it's it it, it feels good to be wrong. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm happy that I was wrong on this occasion. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, done done poorly or done incorrectly, this uh, this material and how it's handled could be very uncomfortable and very problematic. Yeah. So I I was yeah. I was fearful of that, and then I found that that's um you know, not the case at all. And I I think putting that spotlight on uh, Tulsa. And getting us all to learn that because like when when I first saw it also, I thought, you know, is this fiction is 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 this, right. you know, because, you know, you're in an alternate universe. And and so, yeah, it's it's th- th- there's just a few things there that, that just kind of um, uh, messes with your head. But um, mm-hmm. but Caleb, specifically, the thing that I, I know you were really excited about with regards to the HBO Watchmen series was the uh, uh, supplemental material in uh, in the form of the, well, uh, the PDPD uh, uh, website. Yeah. Uh, you, you want to riff well, on that for a few? So I got hooked on HBO's supplemental material um, when I started watching Westworld. Mm-hmm. Used to be my favorite show. Um, I'm very disappointed after season three. But I digress on that. Ooh, but I while I was watching season three yet, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just oh, I've, I just I've heard people it. aren't happy anyway. with it, so I would yeah, I just to make sure I, they just they just need to go back to the park. Um, so anyway, <laughs> but I'll shut up. Um, so, but when they in in season one, um, they had a they had a great supplemental where you could go in and. Um, they had a map of the area and it would grow as the show grew and you could log in as if you were logging into the Westworld uh, site to book, book a stay. And then there was sublinks like to visit like uh, the, the company that owned Westworld and 
you got visibility on their employee portal and there was coding involved and you could access imaginary chat and it helped to sometimes discover clues about what was going to happen in the next episode or touch on things that had already happened and it was just fun uh, with H- hbo they had pdpedia and pd was um the fbi agent that was working with flory yeah. and it would basically show some of his case file information and so it was interesting to get some you know some clues from that about what was going on and i just i kind of dug it um it it helped i tell you what I, I liked that aspect because that that satisfied some of my drive to be like well what's what what about this what about that like more getting more facts without taking away from the the main you know the main message of the show mm-hmm. so i really enjoyed how they chant like they allowed me to channel some of my desire into that aspect and then i felt satisfied when i would find it read it play a little sherlock holmes and put some pieces together <laughs> and be able to pre- and be able to predict some things that were going to happen in the next show that was really cool and there was some really i mean there were some really subtle clues like you sometimes i would read through them and then i would you know i'd read a a co- you know an article about that and be like oh okay sometimes i would intentionally not because i really truly wanted to try to remain as um, naive as possible stepping into the next show so that's that was pdpedia <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, and, and you got some like, you know, real uh, good information also. Like, you know, you learned that, uh, you know, what becomes of Lori, you know, how she, you know, takes on yes. the identity of the comedian, you know, and, and, and a couple yes. other things like that. So it's so that's it. it and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that's referred to within the context of the episodes. There is the only the only connection I can recall is there is Regina King's uh, characters on a bridge, and she looks over and sees this weird guy dressed up in this real shiny uh, body like <laughs> bodysuit. Mm-hmm. And when Loop she man. sees him, Loop yeah, man. Loop man. And he squ- <laughs> so then he squirt he squirts lube all over himself and runs away and slides into a, a, into a, uh, a drainage you know a drainage ditch you know, and people are like, what the fuck was that? And come <laughs> to find out, that is. That is that is Petey. He, that's he's developed a, a superhero character, and um, there is some slight nod and winks to that in the Petypedia. So that you, you kind of that is really the only that's really one of the only connections um, uh, directly to from Petey to the, you know the show in that in that respect. I mean, there's all kinds of things in Petypedia that talk about things that are going on in the show. The only sense it it only really makes sense if you if you read pdpedia that's it it actually the pdpedia helps you understand that one random part of the show which is kind (laughs) of fun yeah you know it's it's content that's there if i i don't know maybe it's back to to greg's buffet uh where it's like you know uh it's very take it or leave it i guess yeah i don't know you don't you don't you don't need to read pdpedia no to understand the show. And that's my issue with a lot of stuff where they go like, oh, and, and this goes for the Watchmen movie as well that Snyder did, um, where people go, oh, I watched that movie and it sucked. 
oh, it didn't make any sense to me. And then people, and I don't mean just that movie, but other movies as well. And they go, sure. oh, well, if you've read the book, then you'd understand. It's like, no, hang on. I don't need to read a book to understand a movie plot. Like, if that's the case, the movie has failed. The movie is yeah. its own thing. The movie should, yeah. you shouldn't have to do anything else other than watch that movie, unless it's a sequel or it's like, you're not going to sit down and watch Endgame and be like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. fuck, like, hang on, you know. Um, but <laughs> it's like um, sequels and things like that, that's a bit different. That's you know, an interesting... Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, uh, I was just saying, like, if you come in to watch, if you just sit down and watch uh, The Dark Knight Rises, you'd be like, what? 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 Why has he got a cane? This doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. It's like, well, no. But a movie on its own should... You, you shouldn't have to read supplemental things. They should just be uh, optional. Yeah. And that's like as in supplemental. Like if <laughs> it's uh, extra things that will help you with the story, not requ- otherwise it's, it's like required reading. So, I've got an interesting question. Um, do you think that the television series can hold up on its own without um, without any kind of access to knowledge of the comic book series or the movie, um, I I don't. Um, but that's coming from someone who had already True. read the comics and seen the movie yeah. beforehand. So if I had gone in cold and just watched the show, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it probably would. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it does give you enough background stuff. It's a, and and in in saying that, like if you hadn't read, if you if your only exposure to the Watchmen show was literally like starting at episode one of the show, and you hadn't read any of the comics or seen the movie or any of that stuff, you you're almost in the same position as anyone that picks up the comic for the first time, mm. because. When you read that comic, you don't know who Dan is. You don't know who, like, Silk Spectre is and why is the comedian being thrown out a window and you don't know any of that. Yeah. And yet it slowly fills you in and by the end of it, you've got all the backstory you need. Yeah. Yet you went into a cold. So yeah. the show in that respect kind of does, like, mirror the comic in a way. So I, I wonder, though, but personally, I like, if someone said to me, should I just watch the show or should I read up or whatever I, I would say look personally read the comic then watch the show if you don't have time maybe watch the movie so you get a general gist of it um but then let me explain like watch the movie and i'll explain the ending of the comic to you so that the show makes sense because obviously it's not a the show is not related to the movie so right right, right. um but I think yeah that's a great I, answer but yeah. you know it's tough yeah i i think it 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 stands on its own and makes its own explanations within itself. But I I agree with both of you guys in that like there's uh, there there's enough uh, uh, cultural osmosis in terms of like you know it, it's it, if you're getting ready to pony up and watch the series you've probably seen the movie if not read the comics, you know, at least had some mm-hmm. kind of some kind of glancing with like, for example, I don't know if non comic fans are showing up for this. I, I, I truly don't know. Um, I my mean, wife is, my wife loved it. 
Oh, very good. But but, but she's but she's an extraordinary woman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, but she's she's really savvy. She's actually I mean, just she dug right into uh, uh, like Dark Tower and Sandman, and she hadn't really read comics before. And before oh. I look, I look over at night, and I'm like channel surfing. I look over, she's reading Sandman, and I'm like, oh God, I she's really blowing me away here. So um, it was really. So she, I think, I don't know, she, she likes graphic novels, reads really good ones, and, mm-hmm. but she never read Watchmen, and she was, and of course she had a really, she really was captivated by Regina King's character. She really could mm-hmm. attach to that. So anyway, my wife had no problem watching the show without any, any knowledge of, uh, previous knowledge of Watchmen. I would, she would, I would, ex- she would, I would help her answer some questions sometimes on certain stuff. Sure. But for the most part, it didn't, it didn't slow her down. So, she hadn't um, seen, she hadn't seen the movie or oh, anything. Just, nothing. I'm sorry. No, she, my, my mistake. She had seen the movie and she really likes the movie. So I, I mm-hmm. backed that up. I back, I backpedal a little bit there. She'd mm-hmm. seen the movie. She wasn't sure. completely jumping in cold. Cause I mean, I think if you hadn't, I mean, the show does do a good job of kind of giving you, um, the like the sort of the origin stories or at least like the background of most of the characters that are like that carry over from from Watchmen the the comic story like you do get you mostly get a background on on Laurie um, even Petey says at one point where he's like oh you know his her, her father's the comedian and her mother's the original Silk Spectre and all oh, mm-hmm. right cool yeah um, you 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 kind of get a bit of a nod, like oh, the Aussie Mandias stuff is all the way through it. So oh, yeah. you definitely like, oh, learn so about great. him and what he did and all that. <laughs> yeah. And I was, um, I was really intrigued. Like I was like, how, where and how is this intersecting? What is going on here? I just loved it. I loved the mystery. <laughs> I loved the discovery so much. Um, and, and I think you, I think you, I think the most confusing thing would be uh, the Dr. Manhattan stuff. I think. Yeah, because you you kind of get. I mean, they do they do show you like they do literally show you the origin of Doctor Manhattan with the the play, with mm-hmm. um you know um Adrian's got his 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 clones or whatever they are. He's you know the the yeah. um the Phillips and Crookshanks. You know like <laughs> where they just <laughs> burns the guy to death and it's like right get the next one. You know um they they literally show you the origin of dr manhattan there which i thought was clever but then they don't do a huge like you know amount of explaining like who he is and what he can do but then maybe that's on purpose so that when angela experiences that you're kind of there with her yeah so you're kind of asking the questions of like what the fuck like you're in the future and the past at the same time and what are you talking about like so i guess from that point of view if you hadn't seen uh, anything or you weren't familiar with dr manhattan you are kind of learning about him as the characters learn about him so that's probably a good thing in a way as well interesting see because that's always the problem with like these predator and alien sequels it's like there's something hunting us what is it and everyone's sitting there going it's a fucking predator just get on with it <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. like everybody knows whereas the we- first movie you got arnold and the guys running around in the, in the jungle and you don't know what the fuck's going yeah. on because yeah this is the first one yeah so. right it, it's a perfectly great uh military action movie until that dumb monster shows up it's it's like I want to spend more time <laughs> yeah. with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Predator. Oh, yeah, it's great. so great. I love it. 
It's so great. <laughs> Come on, I'm here. <laughs> it's this whole rant at the end. <laughs> That's like the most Arnold thing ever, where he's hiding in that little tree hole. Oh, Come yeah. on, I'm here. Do it now. All that stuff. <laughs> yes. Do it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I would submit that 1987's Predator is peak Arnold. I mean that that's kind of oh, like yeah. the top oh, yeah. top of the bell curve. Um, oh, it's the most Arnold thing ever. But T two is like the the that's the, the classic. That's, that's, that's true. Like the, yeah, I that's yeah. the mountaintop. Yeah, see, and and I guess I don't disagree, uh, but I also think I, I guess I guess more accurately to what I'm saying is that um, that in Predator, it, it's basically like Arnold has manifested into the the best representation of the quote unquote Arnold personality. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, sure. between right. the one liners and the and the wry sure. smile and and all of that other stuff. Um, sure. But yeah, cigars. It, stick yeah, around. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the only reason commando, isn't it? No, no, it's no. That's, that's no you, that's, you're think you're no, thinking let off some steam. Let off some steam. <laughs> yeah, let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> you, oh. know, you know the only reason why they did that stick around gag is because the machete was too heavy. And Arnold's was like, "Oh man, I gotta carry this thing around. And can we do something about that? Oh, just throw it at a guy. Oh, <laughs> Thus, stick around the was born. Ford, the Harrison Ford approach. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Why don't I just shoot him? Yeah. <laughs> Missed last week's episode? Have trouble remembering that hot take you heard? Find it all in the full archive on SoundCloud.com by searching Mike Seibert Radio." The, the last thing I wanted to mention uh, with regards to the show, you know, a lot of the things we were just referring to here is that I think it's OK for an audience to be challenged. And I think with a lot of uh, movies and comic book uh, properties, um, you know, you look at your Marvel movies. I love my Marvel movies, but it is it is spoon fed sugar for morons and it's it it's kind of frustrating in that sometimes there isn't uh that level of depth and challenge whereas you know something like uh you know exploring further the idea of can uh HBO's Watchmen sit by itself it can but it's going to challenge you in the way that say um other HBO properties uh challenge you like say like uh, uh the leftovers or perhaps uh um what else am I thinking of? Uh, a Westworld to a uh, to a, a small extent, you know. It's 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 okay for for science fiction and and media to um, not not everything has to be um, an origin story. I'm kind of I kind of burned out on I guess uh, origin culture. I guess. Yeah, I think it's good that like some of these shows that make you think and like like yeah. Sorry guys, you have to put your phone down and pay attention for this one. Like, not everything, yeah, like, you know, oh, I didn't understand that movie. It's like, did you did you watch it, watch it, or what? Because yeah. it's hard to tell nowadays or, whether people don't understand the complexities of certain shows or movies because the the show itself failed or whether people just weren't paying attention. So Right. If what, what don't, like, okay, what don't you understand about it? Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. You know, let's... Uh, then maybe they'll maybe what I'm and I'm saying that you know, rhetorically you know yeah. like mm. yeah yeah uh, um, 
if you don't understand something about it, maybe do some, I don't know, do some thinking on it or some research. And, uh, well, like Westworld, for instance, the, the big one I always come back to and spoilers for the end of season two mm-hmm. is people are like, oh, so um, Ed Harris, oh, so he's a host. He's a host the whole time because of that scene at the end. You're like, no, that scene at the end is set in the future and that version of him is, but that version is him sort of in the, in the, in the um, simulation and all that kind of stuff, which is what he did as a younger guy to the, the financial backer of, and all that right. sort of stuff. So it's like, okay, and oh, all right. And even the ending of Lost, like, oh, so they were dead the whole time. No, they weren't. Like, <laughs> like just because, the, oh, but it was the afterlife and all this kind of stuff and here and there. It's like, yes, it was, but that's, like, not happening right now. Like, it's, again, like, and, and he, like as much as I hated the ending of Lost and 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 the way that, like uh, that's sort of forever like slanted my opinion of Lindelof. <laughs> um, um, I, I at least can accept that that's the story that they told and that's the way that it went. It wasn't a case of like, Oh, they were just all dead the whole time. It's like, no, the, the, the people that if it, that criticize it for that, like, well then you, that's not what happened. So you know, criticize it all you want, but you at least have to criticize the right thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, or so you know, let's say they were dead the whole time. What well, what else can we glean from their from their characters? You know, journey through all of this. What I mean, what did we get? What did what did they get out of it? What are we getting out of it? Besides just you know, facts. And I, I don't know. I try really hard yeah. to, mm-hmm. uh, to to get. I try to get uh, to get to the the meaning of it as much as I can um, sometimes and try not to let some of the, the facts of the plot get in the way too much. I, I, I need a good plot. I want a good plot. I want something well-rounded, but sometimes if it's, if it's going astray, I do try to focus on some of those as well. Just to, just to feel like I made the, the right, just to feel like I made the right decision committing <laughs> that much, committing that much time. And sure. yeah, the lost one, that's the lost one was a, that was a huge. Uh, that was that was a that was a big one to try to to uh, you know to be like. I think I made the right decision. The times that I've spent watching this, I think I'm okay. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The Game show. Of, yeah. Mm. Game of, Game of Thrones. On the other hand, I I just I, I can't go back anymore. I can't. Do it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do. Game of Thrones is a strange one because it kind of you. You don't know what happened there, really. I don't know. Like it's <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it, no, because like it's not like we're working towards this. Like this is where we're going. But because then they sort of are like, old mate hasn't written a book for ten years. It's like, well, uh, it, you know, you're making a show based on a series of books, but then the book stopped. Right. So now what do we do? Oh well, he told us that this was going to happen. Yeah. But I could tell you a story doesn't mean you could go and write it yourself <laughs> and make it great, right, right. like or or write what I meant, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a bit a bit tricky with that. But I, I'm probably one of the few people that didn't 
like I didn't love the ending of Game of Thrones, but I wasn't like fuck this, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it, but it was but, never like it was never like my show. Like oh fucking Game of Thrones, like yes, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. like Lost, Lost was my show. Uh, like okay. I was all about it, and and then it was like oh. Okay. <laughs> and then they took it away. That's yeah. And I was one of these pricks that was like, "Fuck you!" They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. Like they've they've all this oh, stuff means no. something. You'll see. It'll it'll turn around, and they like they won't let us down. And then like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's the. And worst. then hey, he's gonna do Watchmen. Fuck off. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean I mean again we've said it time and again already, but yeah, manage manage to stick the landing. And mm. not for nothing though, the ending is ambiguous. And it's ambiguous but still satisfying. It's it's like how's yeah. how's that reconcile? It's so weird. Well, it's it's completely like the it's the feeling and the point of the original one. It's of the of the original story, which, um, like, I know, like Caleb, you said you hadn't really read the comics, but you've seen the movie. So the ending of the the ending of the movie is different in the sense that they don't use the squid, but the very very right. end of the movie where they where Rorschach's journal is kind of picked up by the the frontiersmen and they're like oh we've got nothing to publish just pick something from the crank file and you know the 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 kid uh picks it up and it's like oh well look at this and you think oh everyone's going to learn what happened traction yeah um you you can then ask questions of it and say like so then what happened it's like well it doesn't really matter it's just kind of an open-ended like finale to the story and i think this one the show does the same thing it's like okay she's about to step on the water like does she does she fall through it or does she stand on the water like manhattan is she the new manhattan it's like well it it doesn't really matter because she's kind of she's come to grips with so many other things yeah over the course of the show like she is fundamentally changed as a person by the end of that show right. it doesn't matter if she then has magic powers no, the 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 you're right. The in my the action, the 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 action that she takes from attempting it mm-hmm. shows that she's that she is grown, and 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 is step is moving beyond the fear of uh, the fears that she's developed. Yeah. And just just the just the attempt, um, it says says so very much not necessarily the consequence even though yeah sure and part of us would be like yeah, i wonder what happens but that's not the point it's right. the it's it's the action that she's taking mm-hmm. that's that that that's that's the point to focus on yeah like i i see it as one of two ways like one she absolutely stands on the on the water on the pool and all the the powers of manhattan have transferred to her and she does have these godlike abilities and so she will use them to make the world a better place or she doesn't step on the water and she falls straight into the pool and goes oh fuck it like i'm not a human person but i've grown so much over the last nine episodes i'm i know what it takes to make the world a better place by not having superpowers so either way she's going to get out of the pool and think like i'm going to now make the world a better place it's just whether or not she does that as a human being or as like manhattan too totally yeah i i um i think that nails it 
if I wanted to speculate on Manhattan himself, I don't think he would give anybody the, I think the, I think giving her the power in, in a superpower regard would be unfair to her. I think it's more powerful in a way to give her the, and he didn't give it, but to assist her on her journey to getting the courage to, to at least make an attempt to mm-hmm. do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I had to, if I had to sit down and write an ending that showed you one way or the other, um, I think I might actually prefer it. Um, although. Yeah. See, it's interesting it, it that you start peeling it, it isn't does, it? It, it works both ways. Yeah. On one mm-hmm. hand, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that she wouldn't get the powers because when have we ever shown that Dr. Manhattan can't do something or, anything that he's ever tried doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like if he wants to create something, he creates it. Like he didn't go to the moon of Jupiter and go, I'm going to make this place look like sort of the countryside of England and fail at it. You know, like he, 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 so why wouldn't it have worked considering that everything else he does works? Having said that, if I had to write the scene where it doesn't work, I would have it. She stands on the water. She falls into the pool she gets out, you know, drying herself off with a towel or whatever. The phone rings. She picks it up. Like, what's happening? Okay, I'll be there in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. let's go yeah. to work. And off she goes. Like, it's – and she just sort of – like we said, she's going to try and make the world a better place either way. Right. So it, it, it's just how easily is that going to be uh, achieved for her, whether it's through, like, superpowers or being, like, a better person and a better – hero type of thing or, right, or whatever. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like that all ties back into the hood of justice stuff as oh, well, yeah. which was like, holy shit. Yeah. It's pretty amazing how they took basic cues and made you look at them in a completely different way. Even just like visibly like the, the noose around his neck, uh, and the hood on his head, <laughs> uh, his, just his costume. Like, I don't, uh, the way that they re- they had the viewer reinterpret the, the, the symbolism of his costume, I think was done very, uh, it, was, it was done very well. And it was so, it was done in your mind. And it, it, like, nothing changed to his appearance. Yeah. But, it, but the meaning changed radically. And I think that that was really fascinating. His character development was um, very, uh, I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know that they, these directions would be taken in the show. And I was, mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, very interesting. And, and, and uh, so, yeah, totally. Absolutely. So as, I mean, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Mark. I was just going to say, if we could just touch on like Hood of Justice a little bit, because. Yeah. I, I think um, that would be very appropriate. Normally, I mean, I can't speak for any of the, the like the racial themes and things like that because it's like, well, I've got no frame of reference for that. Obviously, um, not only am I just like a white guy, but like I'm not even in America, so um, you know. But I just mean like from from the fact that like I I hate character retcons or. Uh, like we're going to make this now just so that we can be like woke. And it's like, oh, if it makes sense for the story, do it. And yes, you should include more 
uh, minorities and, and 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 women and things like that in these in these kind of um, typically like uh, white male properties, like with superheroes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, the like it if you said to me at the start of the show, hey, by the end of the show, it's going to be revealed that Hooded Justice and Doctor Manhattan are black guys. I'd be like, oh, of course it is, because we like we have to do the virtual sig- virtue signaling thing and all this kind of stuff, especially coming from Lindelof. I was like, oh, yeah. really? But the way they did it, it like with Hooded Justice, it makes like 100 percent more sense out of his costume for a start. And the way they did it was so well done with the um, the the nostalgia uh, pills, you know, and, and Angela took him and she saw his life and all that kind of stuff. And like, I just think like, and then they, they did it in a clever way so that you, you can't sort of go back and read the original Watchmen and then be like, no, see, that's completely changed. It doesn't make sense. Like it still fits because they never knew who Hood Justice was and no one ever really saw him and all this kind of stuff. So I just think like, it added so much to that character who really didn't have much of a character. Right. He was just sort of spoken about in the comics and, and you'd sort of hear him here and there. But uh, I think that was really well done. And same with like um, Dr. Manhattan. It's like they haven't just said, oh, okay, Dr. Manhattan is a black guy now. They showed you how all that happened. Like you saw him as a young kid in Germany and he's like this, you know, white German kid kind of thing. And then, it becomes Dr. Manhattan and then the whole idea of like hiding inside another person type of thing with, with Cal, like that was handled really well. And like that guy, uh, uh, the, the actor, he, I, I always butcher his name, so I won't attempt it, but like he fucking nailed it yeah. as far as portraying Dr. Manhattan. So like that's how good of like this show was. They actually, they took something that could have been very dicey and very kind of like, Oh, you know, on the nose and made it work. So, yeah. Well, it, it just seems like you know, it's such a tightrope to walk, but they, they walked it well. Well, and it's, and, One, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that the, the last thing I wanted to show you, I sent you guys that picture mm-hmm. um, before we started in the group chat. And I don't know, Mike, maybe you want to use it in your show notes or, or, yeah. or, or whatever. I'm just curious because if you look at that panel that I sent you, that's from, um, the comics, obviously. And for a while there, and it still is because the, the comic is its own thing, so this still could be the case, it, there's like a fan theory and kind of rumblings that the, the, the two guys in the front of that panel there, like that's Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis. Yes. Like they've faked their deaths and are living, like they're still alive. In the time of Watchmen. Oh, so and so they you, they've you, got their Dark Knight Rises ending basically. Yeah, and like if you look at them, the guy on the left, it's kind of that sort of Rolf Muller or Mueller uh, type, you know. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the right, like that could be Captain Metropolis as well. And the thing they always talk about is like these guys, they're clearly in some kind of relationship because like it's not just like an arm around, you know, your pal type of thing. Like the, 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 the one guy has sort of got both his hands sort of clutched on the other guy's hand and stuff. It does look very romantic. Yeah, they're holding hands explicitly. Yeah, exactly. And 
if you look at their uh, their bow ties, the way that it's drawn and the little oh, wow. the um what's meant to be like the sheen or the reflection or whatever, because it's like a white, they both look like domino masks. Totally. So yeah. is that kind of a hint of like, hey, here they are, and they're in the front of the panel as well. So they're like front and center. It's not even like oh, in the background we snuck this in. So. For something like that to sort of have been sort of almost the prevailing fan theory of, of what really happened, um, to then go into the show with a completely different uh, origin story and, and things like that for Hood of Justice and not only make it work, but I think make it better. Like that's that's a that's a pretty mean feat. Yeah. So. Well, and, and like we've already said, he becomes a character, you know, Hooded Justice mm. actually gets to be a character and that's, uh, and that's, that's really cool. Um, so as, a uh, as we get ready to, uh, wind down and think about wrapping up, um, uh, Greg, I wanted to turn back to you because I, I'm sure there was a thing or two, uh, that, uh, that you wanted to mention about the comics. Um, uh, but the thing I got to ask you about, and this is a blind spot for both me and Caleb, um, we couldn't get out of here without talking about Doomsday Clock because, um, you know, I, I feel very much about Doomsday Clock. I haven't read a stitch of it. I may have flipped through a couple early issues back when comic shops were still open, but um, but I haven't read it. I haven't bought it. And I felt very similar as how I felt when the HBO series was first announced. I'm like, what is this garbage? I don't need it. Not only is it a, 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 you know, some kind of continuation of the Watchmen, but apparently this is our opportunity to export the Watchmen characters into the DC universe. Oh no, sir. Hard pass for, (laughs) for Mike here. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just thought, um, uh, we could spend a couple minutes kind of riffing on that and maybe dispel some myths and, and, uh, and yeah, just kind of talk about that before, uh, before we close out. Uh, it's simultaneously all of that and none of that at the same time. (laughs) Ooh, tell me more. (laughs) Like it, 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 it is a continuation of the Watchmen story but it does then follow up on that whole um, New 52, how did we lose 10 years of continuity and that kind of thing? Um, what what does Dr. Manhattan have to do with it? Like why, are there, why, are, why is there several uh, story points in the New 52 that hint towards Dr. Manhattan and things like that? It's mm-hmm. like, well, this will explain them to you. Um, and, yes, it does cross over characters from Watchmen with, sort of the greater DC universe, but then at the same time, it doesn't like, it's not a way of saying like, okay, they're all part of it together now either. Okay. So, so so we're, we're, we're not going to get like Watchmen characters running around with the justice league, you know, kind of similar to how like the Wildstorm characters were, were folded into, or, or even like the milestone characters, you know, all, all like, shoot even like the charlton characters let's go all the way yeah. back you know yeah. uh, dc comics has this this uh habit and uh consistency of folding in characters of acquired properties now i guess it's a little different because it it's always been dc comics but but yeah it's just it, the 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 idea of mixing those in continuity really really kind of put me off and even then i'm gonna go even further back i know i'm kind of trampling all 
all over your your uh, explanation. But I I remember like they had uh, what was it like the first issue of like DC Rebirth, like the Rebirth or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's got uh, Batman holding the comedian's button, and I'm yeah. just like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. And and I kind of uh, either subconsciously or specifically, I uh, I just kind of slowly kind of tapered off uh, DC. I, I currently don't read any DC comics. I, it's just between like all of the events and all like the Dark Knight's metal and all the dark metal and death metal oh, yeah. and all yeah. of that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, they, they finally... Um, uh, I, I guess I finally aged out of comics, I guess, because like, I, you know, I, I don't read any mainline Marvel stuff either. And I don't know exactly when it happened, but somewhere along the way I was in, then I just stopped and now I can't go back. Like, you know, I, I try to like look at stuff and it's just impenetrable. I, I'm I'm going off on like a weird ranty tangent off onto the side, but but I think part of it was kind of my my visceral reaction to Doomsday Clock. Yeah, I think I mean I don't I don't think it's like if I had to choose one, like okay, which of these quasi sequels to Watchmen, uh, it, like you can have if you you have to make one of them legit canon. Either either the show happens or Doomsday Clock happens. I would go with the show, but the comic it's not uh, like the Doomsday Clock. It's not amazing. I wouldn't be like, oh, it's fucking great. But I was kind of I did find myself kind of anticipating the next issue. So I was sort of like, oh, okay. So what's going to happen next, and how's that going to wrap up? And 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 it does feel very much. It feels more like. It feels more like the DC characters have been thrown into the Watchmen story than it does the Watchmen characters thrown into the DC universe. Oh, okay. Um, it's very much stylized like Watchmen. Um, even like it even has like supplemental materials and things like that at the end um, and, and stuff. And it does dive deeper into like, hang on a minute, like is America creating all these superheroes? Because they seem to have a lot. Like there's like one Russian guy, there's like one British superhero, you know, there's one guy from China, whatever it is, you know, there's a girl from, um, you know, India or whatever the characters are. But it's like, oh, so Batman's American, the Flash is American, Green Lantern is American. Like why are all these superheroes coming out of America? And then you kind of get that sort of, yeah, what's going on there? And so you have that kind of, the way that the original Watchmen has that Cold War tension in the background with the Russians and Nixon and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. Doomsday Clock kind of has that as well, um, with a, a president who it, it, they never say it, but it's it is Trump. So, um, and then you've got like all this stuff. You've got this sort of the main story plot, like plot lines, but then you do have all that background tensions and and political climate and all this kind of stuff happening at the same time in the background, which is very much like the original Watchmen. So mm-hmm. it, it, it does, it does try and kind of copy the style if nothing else. So, but yeah, it's not, I, that's the way I would describe it. it it's closer to the Watchmen comics with, with like Batman and Superman sort of turn up in it as opposed to, uh, like your stock standard DC comics, and then like, oh, by the way, here's 
Ozymandias or whatever. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and it sort of wraps up as its own thing as well. So, I mean, they could always do something in the future because you can do anything with comics. Sure. But, um, yeah, it is kind of almost like a self-contained type of thing. And it does right quite a few wrongs that in the fans' eyes as well, I think, as far as, like, decisions that have been made about New 52 and Rebirth and these kinds of things. So, so yeah. So- I... I, I I don't know if you'd like it, but I I, I, w- I would at least give it a read. Okay, well, it, it, I was yeah, I was gonna say uh, two questions. One, do you recommend it? Yeah, I mean, I I do. I I would recommend it because it's like I said, it is it is closer to being a Watchmen story than it is a general like a Justice League story. I think ah, in the way that it's okay. in the way that it's laid out and its style and like the framing of the panels and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and the way that it does kind of dive into some of the characters' backstories and things like that. And you do get a bit of back and forth as well as to like, um, like in Watchmen, like you don't sort of learn about Rorschach straight up. Right. You, you learn about him as it goes. And so like, characters that turn up in this like there is a Rorschach in in Doomsday Clock but it's not um it's not Walter Kovacs because he got you know at the end so uh, okay. <laughs> but right. there's like another Rorschach and oh so what what happened to was what you know what happened after uh Ozymandias's plan kind of was exposed and things like that so hmm. Um, it does sort of dive into that too. So, and then of course you do get Batman, but I mean Batman is is sort of doing detective stuff in this one as well as punching people in the face. So, um, and, and it weaves a lot of uh, the way that Watchmen kind of looks at the idea of superheroes coming together to form like a team. Um, Doomsday Clock kind of does the same thing, where it does kind of break down. Like, well, how effective is the Justice League really? And also, like, what about like the you know the the villains when they team up, and what could they do if they got organized and things like that? So <laughs> maybe we should have a league of on. our own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, there's some there are some cool characters that turn up as well. So okay. uh, like mime and marionette seem to be the two standouts that everyone seems to enjoy. Um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're they're interesting to say the least. Gotcha. <laughs> and it has that Watchmen level of violence too, so Ooh, it's I like not that. sort of like sh- sugar coated, you know. It's not okay. So, whoa, those were some seriously hot takes. How do you feel about it? Let Mike know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike Cyber Radio. And hey, real quick, before we give our final thoughts on Watchmen, I'd like to bring in special guest star Anthony Bercali, owner-operator Madman, behind TFU.info and the host of Transformers University for his thoughts on HBO's Watchmen. HBO's Watchmen, just overall, I thought was just this amazing journey of a show that I didn't know I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I was a fan. I've been a fan of the comic. I've read the comic maybe two or three times. Um, I think I read, I read it once when I, when I was a teenager, and I think I read it again right before the movie came out to kind of remind myself what it was about. Yeah. Um, I never really saw the big deal, um, probably because there were so many things that emulated it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a lot of like uh, my my high school uh, book report on Tale of Two Cities, where I was like, they did this on different strokes, and it was so much easier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're so far removed from a very important piece of fiction, uh, and it's been emulated and kind of rehashed a whole bunch of times, you miss, uh, that vibe of it when it first hits and the impact of, of what it feels like to, to experience that, uh, in the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this show in particular did a good job of creating a new moment and creating a world that now I really do want to know more about, you know, um, I'm fine if they stop. And, I'll, yeah. you know, I think that's the one thing like I, I think this the show is so well done that it doesn't need another season. Mm-hmm. But I want another season. It's it's such a weird, um, weird kind of mental kind of, you know, gymnastic to be like, well, I would I want to see more because it was so good. But it was so perfect and so well executed that I don't want them to ruin it. So I'm very fine if they don't redo uh, if they don't do another season. I think overall there's a lot of really neat things here. There's a lot of the David Lindelof um, tropes of kind of having um, uh, symbolism and and you know the eggs show up throughout, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, which you don't realize are important even at the beginning and are important in just about every episode. Uh, episode six, which is the nostalgia episode, yeah. uh, is a great kind of commentary on nostalgia and 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 the idea of of living in in someone else's past and living in your own past and 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 seeing the world through their eyes. I think there's a great commentary on race and identity in this story um, that I didn't really realize I needed to know. Yeah. Um, I think, I think as a, as a mid forties white male, um, not to say I understand racism, but I walked away from this going, I definitely don't understand racism. Like in my turn, in terms of, you know, you think, you know, you know, someone said something, you know, like you get a weird look or you get like treated a certain way. And it's like, you walk away from the show going, Oh no, that's, that's not what it is at all. And I've never experienced that, and I don't think I ever want to. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that you know it gives you a bit of um, empathy towards towards that notion, and and towards how uh, the world we live in is kind of set up in a certain way mm-hmm. uh, that I've never really um, noticed before. And so to have something that's kind of eye opening and transformative to um, you know, to your mind in, in, in what is essentially just a superhero show, mm-hmm. uh, is, is pretty cool. Um, you know, the, the whole black wall street thing uh, at the, at the beginning of the first episode, I was like, I didn't know about that. That's a piece of history that I feel like someone should have taught me yeah. at some point. Um, and then there, there's just so much, so much great stuff in here, uh, about, you know, um, you know, the, about the history of hooded justice, uh, you know, a character who they never really delve into, uh, probably deliberately. And then also how they, how they use, um, people's perceptions of what they thought the myth of hooded justice was by putting it into a TV show within the show is, is just a brilliant take. And it's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like this show's version of, uh, uh, what's it called? What's the name of that? Sh- the, the the pirate story that's in the original one, the the black. Oh, uh, black uh, cur- curse, curse of the Black Freighter. The Black Freighter, right? So they kind of build that into the show as its own version of the Black Freighter by telling the story of the Watchmen in a TV series within the TV series, mm-hmm. uh, or the story of the Minutemen, I should say, uh, in, in as a TV series within the TV series. Um, 
the performances are great uh and there's just so much there's it's just such a rich uh story the, there's um uh you know there's there's a couple of twists that you see coming and you don't care yeah <laughs> at least for me uh there were twists i was like oh that's gonna come back or that's that's something we haven't seen yet and then and then on top of it jeremy irons is just amazing in this <laughs> regina king yeah. is amazing in this um the, you know, the two of them both should be nominated for emmys uh for this series and if they're not then there's, there's something something wrong with the academy uh it, it just it's such a good show overall uh and it's one of those shows that after you watch it once and i haven't done a second watch of it yet i i just know i need to it's it's essentially a uh it's that christmas present you didn't know you wanted yeah <laughs> I, I i think that's i think that's a brilliant analogy i i guess before we do uh the last cattle call of goodbyes any uh any particular lingering topics that we didn't touch on that we need to i just think we should make sure to make mention that there we as we stated earlier there's there's a lot of fires right now and uh i hope everyone's staying safe and it read Watchmen, see what kind of parallels you can draw from it. It's sometimes strange when life repeats art, it repeats life. And um, we're also wearing masks. Yeah. I think there's some, um, you can ex- you can expound on that if you want, but that's an interesting observation. I don't know if there's really a direct correlation, <laughs> but masks are, <laughs> masks have a lot of functions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, what we need is Robert Redford to become president, I think. Yes. <laughs> That'll solve everything. We need some of those reparations. I love it. Uh, Greg, any final thoughts? Um, no, I think I think if people, if you have watched the show and you haven't seen the movie or haven't seen or haven't read the comics, I definitely recommend it. Um, because you could almost look at it as if as like a prequel series in mm-hmm. a sense because you've seen the show already. Um, we didn't touch on the movie a lot, but I think that Zack Snyder cops a lot of shit recently for all of his DC stuff, which um, Man of Steel, I'll defend him on Man of Steel for quite a bit of it, but the rest of it, mm. I don't it just doesn't seem to fundamentally understand those characters. Right. Uh, whereas when he adapts something that is handed to him as far as like Watchmen goes or 300, uh, he seems to be very good. Like he's a great director and his, his um, you know, cinematic style is, is amazing. But he just, yeah, he does have a bit of the dude bros about him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, like of course Batman would kill people like grow the fuck up it's like date you just 100% missed the point of the Batman character yeah. right there but anyway I think the Watchmen movie is probably as good a Watchmen movie as you're ever going to get considering like how dense and how sort of like complicated is the wrong word but how um, intricate the the comics are with yeah. its backstory and the way that it tells tells its story so um yeah i would if you haven't i mean we haven't spoiled too much i don't think as far as the original comics goes but i would my recommendation would be read the original comics watch the movie uh then read doomsday clock then watch the show because i think then 
you're probably more likely to um uh well actually no read the read the original comics and then watch the show that would be my yeah recommendation and then go back and like watch the movie and then maybe doomsday clock if you kind of if you're interested in like the greater dc universe as well um, but if yeah, if you're just interested in Watchmen as a story, I still think the comic is the best um, version of it. And then yeah, the move the 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 series is a very good follow up to it. So um so before we part ways for now, um Greg, what uh what's coming up on Unfunny Nerd Tangent and Steel Cage and the and the other cool shows that you're involved with? Uh, unfunny no tangent. Uh, we just had our latest episode drop last week, uh, which was our review of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which uh, Mike, you were able hey. to join us on, which that was a lot of fun. Oh my god, it was so uh, fun! <laughs> diving into the uh, the the backstories of that movie and like, how does this play in today's climate? And do you think it would ever be made today? And all that kind of stuff. Uh, as well as just looking back at it with like, you know, this was a movie I loved when I was a kid. Like, does it still hold up? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we're looking at potentially, uh, we might be looking at Space Force as a show, maybe. We haven't sort of 100% decided on what we're going to do um, uh, for the next episode. But uh, yeah, that's, that's all happening over at unfunnynerdtangent.com. Uh, and of course, through through the Steel Cage Network, which uh, if you're into wrestling at all, which these days it's sort of tough to be <laughs> <laughs> to be a wrestling fan, I think. But uh, yeah, the Steel Cage guys are still do, giving their reviews on Raw and the things that are happening with the world of uh, WWE. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, if if you're looking for any wrestling content that sort of focuses on the past and more of a nostalgic vibe. Uh, myself and two other fellow Aussies, um, Stacy, who's uh, at Little Sherby on Twitter, and Steve, who's at uh, Stinger57 on Twitter. The three of us get together every now and then and do uh, our Aussie top three, where we pick a, a wrestling topic and kind of pick out our top three. So we just did our top three factions uh, for wrestling as our, our latest ish, uh, episode. And before that, we did... Um, uh, like who we think could be in the Hall of Fame and and favorite WrestleMania matches and things like that. So, Very so cool. yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, and Transformers Reanimated is is still humming along strong, right? Yeah, we've got issue eleven episode uh, issue yeah issue eleven, which is actually the second part of our two parter that kind of brings together a lot of uh, some of the uh, the the seldom used. Uh, human characters mm-hmm. of the cartoon. So, yeah, we sort of dove deep into some of the, the archives there for, for characters. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what happened to them? Well, let's, here you go. So, yeah, but that, that's going along pretty well. I think it's, um, it's getting a good response and, and yeah, it, it, it's, um, it, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. Very cool. Very cool. And how can folks get a hold of you on the social medias and find you on the internets? Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at Greg T13. So it's uh, G R E I G T 13. So you can follow me there. Uh, also at unfunny N tangent. 
because unfunny nerd tangent doesn't fit. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> we had to trim it. Uh, but then, yeah, also unfunnynerdtangent.com. That's pretty much got all of our, our ramblings. So, um, And like we said, we covered Watchmen back on uh, episode 91, yep. where we, but we mainly focused on the show, but we kind of like did a deep dive into that and, and analyzed uh, a lot of stuff. So, so yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. Well, uh, thanks as always for uh, for hanging around with us. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, and I'll still be listening to the uh, APDC as well as it keeps dropping uh, episodes with the older uh, the cartoon. Can't get enough of those reviews. It's, it's uh, <laughs> they're a lot of fun. So it's... you got to stick with it, Caleb. Don't don't <laughs> don't bail out. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. But I do like yes. to keep the listeners on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and speaking of uh, Caleb, before uh, before we part ways with you, uh, uh, let us know what's uh, what's new and exciting with uh, the A Pod Decast. Well, we had episode one twenty eight come out last week. Uh, we cover uh, right now. We're doing a bi weekly release where we're covering the entire g1 animated series and um got through the first series and we're uh going to the second and so we just did autobot run um and then we'll do another batch of recordings we got to get greg on uh to do i believe dinobot island correct am i correct in that yes, greg? Uh, that, that's that's your that's your one that you want to do so we're very excited to bring greg on for that and i'm sure mike you will be on for many different various adventures, whether they're <laughs> uh, content related or iconic, um, uh, or the ghost of the iconic moment Woo! related, <laughs> either either against your wishes or not, you're you're in it. So sorry, man. Um, but yeah, we're you know we're we're a, it's amazing we've been going this long. It's uh, and um, never did I ever imagine it. But it, we we have a lot of fun, and it's three of us, and we. You know, if if you're just hearing about this for the first time, I highly recommend starting at the beginning, because we cover the we cover the uh, 1986 Transformers uh, movie, and we do it one minute at a time. So um, we cover a minute of each movie per episode that we put out, and uh, that might sound mind-boggling, and it is. Because <laughs> it very, is. <laughs> it's it's very it's very entertaining, and you you learn a lot about the movie. Uh, but in a way that's it's, it's engaging, or at least we think so, as well as some pop culture. Uh, we go on a lot of tangents. As you guys know, we're, we're just kind of a, all of us are kind of a, a tangent, a tangent minded crew. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's, you know, we're in good company there. But uh, yeah, we're just going to keep putting those out. And uh, we do, uh, you, can, you can find us on Twitter. That's our primary site. We're on YouTube if you look up Autopod and Septicast. We're on Instagram as well, Autopod Decepticast, but we hang out on Twitter mostly, and that's it, uh, at APODDcast. Um, you'll find us there, or you just search Autopod Decepticast, and we'll turn up. We're just it's, This is the one thing that we can do right now where we can communicate with each other, and it's beneficial for us. Um, yeah. So we're, we're enjoying it, and same, um, you know, it's it's fun to interact with you as well, uh, Mike, and mm-hmm. being that you're on the West Coast, and of course with Greg, who's in Australia. So um, I have a lot of fun at it, and I know that sometimes I might act like I 
I don't care. And there are some times that I could read something else, but, but when it comes right down to it, it's, 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 it's fun and, and engaging. And it's really interesting to uh, discover that community of people out there that like to listen to us ramble on about this stuff, you know, uh, and uh, enjoy it. So um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, having me on the show, Mike. Yeah, this was, this was a ton of fun. And that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can always check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders and is powered by Poddex. For Mike Seibert Radio, my name is Mike. My name is Caleb. Uh, And my name is Greg. And until next time, wash your hands, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. If you're interested in supporting racial justice and need a good place to start, I've included a link in the show notes that will connect you to a variety of Black Lives Matter organizations you can donate money to right now, including the George Floyd Memorial Fund, the Minnesota Freedom Fund, Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, Campaign Zero, Unicorn Riot, and more. Black Lives Matter. Black lives have always mattered. Black lives will continue to matter. Anything other than that has no place in a world desperately trying to evolve. And may all of us be listening, feeling, and acknowledging that we can do better in our hearts and in our homes in being part of the solution getting there.